0: i said it before and i'll say it again life moves pretty fast you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it welcome to sailing in the mediterranean and beyond podcast i'm your host my name is franz Yesterday I released uh, episode number 131 with Lewis Martins, and it went out, and apparently there was a problem with the upload, and it kept repeating a portion of the recording over and over and over again, and never got into the full recording. So uh, today, and it's Monday, I'm going to re-release it and make sure it, it goes out correctly. Jack Andrews wrote me a note saying, hey, Franz, there's something wrong with it. Usually I try to listen to them when they are released to make sure everything's all right, but I hadn't yesterday. And I appreciate it, Jack, that you pointed out that I had a problem with it when I went in and listened to it myself. Yeah, it uh, it, keep, it keeps repeating over and over again. So anyway, also this weekend, I put together a project that I'm going to share with you when I get it uploaded. But I looked at that new torch put out by weems and plath which which basically i got i got i actually got one of them for christmas and it basically is a hand torch so it replaces the requirement of flares on board and it's simply a white led light in a waterproof container that turns on and flashes sos 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 and apparently that's uh that's sufficient for The Coast Guard requirements for a a nighttime and a daytime signaling device, interestingly enough. Well, I thought this is pretty simple. And I put together a 1-watt LED with a battery pack and an LED driver, a constant amperage driver, where they call them, constant current driver, 350 milliamp driver, to drive the LED with an Arduino Nano and uh, in about a few lines of Arduino code and I created basically the same thing and my total costs are about seven dollars into all the parts. Now I haven't figured out what I'm going to do to what what I'm going to carry this in, whether it's a container um, that I make out of some PVC pipe or something. So I've still got to figure out the waterproof container that this is going to go in. But the actual electronics was really next to nothing. And I'm going to put together a YouTube video on showing the project in action at the breadboard stage. And some photographs of the circuit and the parts list. And if you want to take on the project yourself, you can do that. I I like Arduinos. They're sort of fun to play with. Every now and then I get on a kick and I want to learn some more. But this was a project that I thought would be really, really easy to make. Now, one thing I did do that Weems and Plath didn't do, I'm making mine so that it's intended to turn on automatically if it's triggered. And basically, I want this to be a man overboard light. And uh, and as soon as it goes in the water, it will turn upright. So I don't have a switch on the unit. The switch is a mercury switch inside the unit so it's all self-contained and once it goes upright it it uh, makes the connection in the circuit which turns on the Arduino and turns on the light so there's no switch involved except for this mercury tilt switch that I've put in that was my idea because I did not want to have a switch because switches go bad switches go bad anyway I will try to put a page at the website with the project. I think I'll title it SOS Arduino Light Project or something like that. Not sure when I'll get it up, but I will get it up at some point in time. Oh, and I did get a letter from a listener, a long letter actually from a listener. I'm going to share it with you. And it's from Benjamin. Benjamin wrote, hi Franz, I just discovered your podcast a couple of weeks ago and I have now listened to 12 plus episodes on my computer and in my car via iPhone. Thanks for the Terrific podcast. I will undoubtedly work my way through all of your material. Tonight I was especially happy to find your YouTube channel where I watch Sailing in the Med, episode 123, Jack Andrews, part 3. I love following along as you look at images and scroll through maps, etc. You often say that you enjoy the medium of audio recordings. Interestingly enough, my love of sailing began with my discovery of videos about sailing and cruising on YouTube about four years ago. I've loved traveling for years, and, and the sailing videos illustrate how sailing could be an ideal way to discover countless exotic destinations and cultures. Since watching that first Delos video, I've been consumed with all things sailing. But I have a young family and a mortgage and a 9-to-5, so I will not be sailing around the world anytime soon. At first, I just dreamed about sailing and did not know how I could become involved. Since then, I joined a community sailing group at a local lake learned to fly Flying Scott sailboats, bought a small weekend sailboat, a Catalina 22, and joined the Lake Norman Yacht Club near my home in Charlotte, North Carolina. In the future, I hope to spend a week each year chartering a sailboat with friends and or family. Who knows where this will all lead. In the meantime, I want to say thank you for sharing your knowledge and experiences about sailing in the med. Thank you for the work that you put into your interviews and your podcast. And thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself with us speaking of youtube i've been learning to make videos using my gopro and macbook here's a two minute sample that will give you a sense of what i make and who i am sadly not a sailing video no pressure to watch and he sent me a youtube link to a family vacation they took in costa rica ben i did watch that i thought that was pretty good interesting did a great job don't get me wrong. I like I, I watch YouTube videos all the time, especially when I'm trying to learn something. I had to change the brakes on my uh, ATV the other day. I bought a new ATV for the uh, for the ranch, and the rear brakes were bad. So I went onto YouTube and searched out how to do it. And damn, it was easy. Once I saw how somebody else did it, it was really easy to change the brakes. So I watch YouTube videos all the time. The only thing about YouTube videos for me is I can only spend so much time staring at a computer screen or a TV screen. I need to get out and take a walk. And when I take a walk, I can listen to audio. So that's why I like audio. I'm not dependent on watching a screen. But don't get me wrong. I watch plenty of YouTube videos, and that's how I learned to program an Arduino, was the Arduino tutorial videos that I found on YouTube. All right. One last comment. I want to thank a new Patreon Ben, thank you so much for becoming my first $10 a month Patreon. Uh, we had a little problem getting that special bonus podcast to you, but you uh, you didn't really worry about it. And you sent me a link to your website, which I thought was really interesting. And I was particularly <laughs> interested to see one of the things that your your girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure what it is, uh, but she was a proud owner of a Sailrite L S Z one premium <laughs> so i'd be interested to find out what projects you've done with with uh, that machine that Sailrite machine i own one of those as well but but brad thank you so much you're my first ten dollar a month patreon and i really appreciate it all right with that out of the way let's get on to my previous introduction and hope this one loads up okay well welcome back this week we're going to have another episode with Lewis Martin's, where we're going to be talking about painting and fairing out and repairing fiberglass. This one we're mostly talking about fairing out the repairs you've made and painting, and the processes involved. Before we get to that, let me thank my sponsor for this podcast, Sailrite. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite Ultrafeed sewing machine. The Ultrafeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's sailrit dot com. I've set up a Patreon page for members of this audience that want to support the podcast through Patreon. So let me encourage that you might go over to Patreon. That's dot com forward slash MedSailor. Take a look at the rewards and consider supporting the podcast through Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. There's been four people so far that have become sponsors, and I want to thank all of them. I try to recognize every sponsor. So thank you for considering it. The other thing, if you want to get Eight of the 16 free lessons for the sailing, learn to sail, basic keelboat certification lessons for the ASA 101. Sign up for my email list, and I'll send you a link to download eight of the 16 lessons for that series. In addition, there's other series that you can purchase. There's lessons for the ASA 101, which is basic keelboat certification. Then there's basic coastal cruising, which is the ASA 103, and Bare Boat Sailing, which is the ASA-104. I have audio lessons for each one of those. We'll not teach you to sail. You've got to get on a boat to really learn how to sail. If you have thoughts or suggestions for this podcast, write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. With that out of the way, let's get into my interview with Lewis Martins.
1: It's uh, 20 past 10 in the evening.
0: All right, all right. Now, is it? I know when I sailed in in Spain and Italy, they really stayed out late at night there. Yeah, I mean, dinner really didn't even start till nine or ten at night, and people stayed out till late hours. Is that the same way in Portugal?
1: A little bit, yes. Um, the Spaniards um, do things later than we do because they have well, they. Not everywhere, but um, some places in Spain they still have the siesta. And uh, for instance, shops only open, uh, they close for lunch at one, and they open at three, sometimes four o'clock in the afternoon. And the shops stay open until uh, uh, seven, eight o'clock in the evening. Uh, and then people go out to dinner at nine, ten. In the evening uh, we don't we don't have the siesta, so things are we don't go out to dinner as late, but we are uh, very late people very late people in the sense that uh we we go we do dinner very late in the evening yeah. uh for instance in the u k in the northern European countries. People go out to dinner at 7 p.m. Uh, not in Portugal. Restaurants don't open. Some some restaurants don't open until eight, and that's early.
0: <laughs> yeah, and in America, you're if you're not done eating by nine o'clock, it's uh, it's pretty. You may not even find a place to eat. At least in a lot of places. <laughs> I was really surprised. I I went to San Francisco one time, and and I was out late at night, and and the whole damn town seemed to close down about midnight, and this was on a weekend it was it was it's not a, at least the areas I was at was not a late night town at all but yeah
1: you're you're in Portugal if you go to a pub before um, eleven p m 10, 11 p m uh, there's no one there the pub <laughs> some some pubs don 't open until ten eleven o'clock in the
0: evening you were just as we were talking just before I started the recorder, you were telling me about uh, a listener that wrote wrote in to you. So let's let's tell me about that. Yeah, uh,
1: he got my email. I think from the first time we talked, the first time being uh, before this fiberglass series, uh, when uh, when we uh, talked about my boat rebuild. I won't call it refit. I will call it rebuild. Uh, and uh, somehow he got my email. I can't remember how. But no problem. And uh, he sent me an email yesterday, or actually, I got it this morning. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Uh, he is enjoying the series, the the 5 series. Although in a, a few emails we exchanged a while back, he mentioned that he is not the kind of person to buy an old boat and rebuild it. Uh, is more the kind of person of buying a a boat ready to sail but nevertheless is enjoying the series which is cool
0: yeah and and anybody that even buys a boat you're gonna have to patch holes that you put in your boat and you're gonna have to learn how to do some basic fiberglassing so i think it's always good to to at least have the resource
1: there or you pay a boat yard to do it <laughs>
0: that's right Or one or the other either pay one or, or the, the other one or the other that's right
1: and and sometimes sometimes i don't I won't say every time, but sometimes uh the guy in the boat yard doing the work doesn't know very well what is what he's doing yeah, yeah. and well but <laughs> but you, but you he will know a little bit more than you do, so he will do the job.
0: <laughs> right. Hey, Louis, I'm going to call you right back. I'm getting a little bit of buzzing on the, on the audio on your end, so I'm going to c- hang up and call you right back, okay? Okay. Okay. Louis, the last time we talked, we decided this might be our last episode, and I think we are going to be talking about finishing fiberglass, and we might go into a little bit of vacuum bagging techniques as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know if we, if, if we can cover all that t- today, but uh, let's try. <laughs> let's try. But before we, before we we start talking about uh, finishing w- last time we talked about um uh, epoxy over polyester and vice versa. Right. Remember that? Yep. And I, I and I said that epoxy over polyester Okay, no problem. Uh, Polyester over epoxy, controversial. Right. Okay, so I did some research. uh, And uh, this is one thing I I like about doing uh, presentations and podcasts and interviews and stuff. It forces you to learn stuff, to do some research. And uh, I did some research and I found some interesting information. And uh, basically, you can't. Uh, of course, you can't put polyester resin over epoxy resin or vice versa. If okay, so polyester over epoxy and vice versa. Uh, you can you can do either way, but one thing, one thing you you, you need to make sure that. If you are changing resin systems, the resin that you applied must be fully cured, otherwise you will make a mess. You can't put polyester resin over uncured epoxy resin and vice versa, because uh, the, the, the molecules will start to combine with each other and, uh, well, you don't know what you will get, basically. but. If it's fully cured, you can use polyester over epoxy and epoxy over polyester. Uh, however, polyester over epoxy is controversial, like we mentioned in the last episode. Okay. I did some research and uh, the, the thing is the chemistry in epoxy resins. And here we are talking about uh, the chemistry and the molecules and the whatever if the the epoxy resin is not 100% fully cured and you put polyester resin on top of it the polyester resin will not cure because the 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 molecules or components in the epoxy resin will actually prevent the polyester resin to cure. They will interfere with each other. And there is one thing. Uh, If you you mix uh, epoxy resin uh, not very accurately, uh, for instance, if you put more hardener than resin, when the Molecules start to com- combine and the uh, curing action takes place. In the end, if you put more hardener uh, in it, you will have hardener molecules uh, that didn't combine and didn't react. So they are still there in their free form. And when you put polyester resin on top of it, these free molecules. Uh, will uh, interfere with the polyester resin and the polyester resin will never cure uh, it's the am- amines or amines i don 't know how to pronounce it correctly uh, the amines in the poly- in the epoxy resin that prevent the polyester resin to cure so you you can change resin systems you just need to be very careful uh, to prevent Uh, any potential problems, okay? Okay. And another way to prevent this is to completely, after the epoxy resin cures, you wash it with water and uh, maybe some mild soap uh, to get rid of any amines that are still floating around because the amines are um, water-soluble and then you give it some light sanding, and then you can put the polyester uh, on top of it, and no problem, it will cure. Uh, but like we mentioned uh several times before, polyester resin has less bonding power than uh, epoxy resin, so you you may not want to go that route. The only reason for that is when you want to put gel coat on top of an epoxy resin repair because gel coat is polyester-based. Okay? hmm Okay. So, with that out of the way, let's talk about finishing.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things that you said you wanted to talk about uh, in finishing were the fillers and modifiers. Yes. And I just typed into my computer uh, fiberglass fillers and came up with a company called Fiberglass Supply, and there's a lot of different fillers. So why don't you educate us on those?
1: Lots of them. I have seven different fillers in my boat right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so let's start talking about fillers. You did your um, repair, your fiberglass repair, uh, and you are left with uh, either a wavy pattern uh, uh, of the uh, woven, roving uh, fiberglass that you used, or a very... uh, uh, Tiny, tiny uh, pattern of um, of the peel ply that you used. You you either applied peel ply or you didn't. Either way, you will have a, a very wavy pattern on, on the surface that you are um, going to finish, mm-hmm. and you need to to get this surface flat. Uh, you may think, uh, like a friend of mine did. That well, I will put some more layers of uh, fiberglass. I will sand it flat, uh, and it will be ready to finish, ready to paint. <laughs> wrong, <laughs> wrong. Because you will have uh, lots of pinholes. Because it, you can't, you can't get uh, uh, unless you do vacuum bagging, and even then. Uh, but, and if you do vacuum bagging you will have uh, the pattern of the peel ply uh you will have uh, tiny tiny uh, air pockets uh between the the layers of uh, fiberglass and between the the bundles of fiberglass uh, so it won't be a smooth and flat surface uh, it will always have imperfections, so we will ha- you will have to handle these imperfections, and to handle these imperfections, you will y- use some kind of filler.
0: Well, to, and, to... and the other thing I can think about, if you put additional layers of fiberglass and resin on top of a of a fix, when you start sanding yeah. down, you are just going to have a bunch of fibers poking through. That's going to be impossible to uh, to to, to well, smooth out.
1: Hopefully, hopefully. You did uh, wet out those fibers really well, uh, so so you you won't ha- you won't uh, actually feel the fibers.
0: They'll, they'll actually sand off flush. Then is what you're saying.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, but uh, still, uh, there will be little pinholes and things that you will have to address. So. In. don't bother applying more layers. Apply the layers you need and then uh, apply some filler on top of it and expect to apply some filler on top of it. And and, and the surface will never be perfectly flat. It can be smooth, but it, it won't be flat. Uh, it will be slightly wavy and uh, you, you you want to have... the the surfaces on your boat flat even though they can be curved like in the top sides of the hull uh, but they are flat okay so uh you will have to use fillers so let let's start talking about fillers okay and like i said i have seven fillers in my boat right now uh before we talked I, i was uh And while I was having dinner, I was thinking, well, uh, how many fillers do I have? One, two, three, four, seven. So the first one, it's an epoxy filler, uh, and it's a very coarse epoxy filler. It almost fills and uh, works like concrete, Uh, like concrete mixed with sand. Um, This filler... I use when I have uh to fill uh more than say a millimeter of thickness and this filler will easily cover two three millimeters uh of uneven surfaces. And it's an epoxy filler, so it can be used below the waterline. Okay? Below the waterline epoxy only. Above the waterline, uh, epoxy or polyester. Oh. Pick, your, pick your choice.
0: Okay, so I'm looking at uh, uh, fillers here. Yeah. And and the, the epoxy this one, fillers is okay. Which one are you looking at then? This one, the very
1: coarse filler.
0: hmm
1: It's um, made by International, uh, and it's called InterGuard Eight. Two one, it's uh, one filler that I like very much when I really need to to fill uh, a good thickness. Like for instance, some people some people have osmosis problems in their boat uh, below the waterline, and they they go with the angle grinder and they grind and then they fill with uh, some uh, fiberglass. And in the end, the 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 hull is very wavy. The, and then, uh, what what will you do? Uh, you can either start using a fine filler, and you will be there working forever, or you can get um, this very thick and very um, coarse filler and spread it, and it will it will uh, it will work. It's what I see. It's what I use for uh, for this kind of job and it's what I see people uh, using the boatyard employees using in the boats they fix uh, in some in one occasion I saw them using this to completely cover the hull of a boat and then they fared it.
0: All right, I've I pulled up the data sheet on the InnerGuard H21. And like yeah. you say, it's a, it's InnerGuard. No, is it? Oh, is it H21 or 251? H21. All right, so this is the wrong one. So forget that. I'll pull that one up here. Okay. Okay. There are a few more. There okay. are several fillers. Okay. I was looking at the epoxy fillers. Do these have the equivalent? Not excuse me. I was looking at the West System fillers. Is there an equivalent in the West System West System fillers for the international fillers? Uh,
1: More or less. I will get to their to that when I talk about the number six and number seven fillers I have in my boat. Okay. (laughs) Okay. This is the number one filler. The number one is
0: the H two
1: one. 821 yeah Inter- international hold it. Inter- let, me, let, let me,
0: 8 8 is in the number 8 or h is in the letter h number 8 ah okay there we go that's why i couldn't find it all right
1: yeah and it's gray so it really looks like concrete
0: <laughs> okay all right and i'm going to put links to these on the show notes so if people are curious they can find it. And here I found it. Inter- yeah. Interguard eight this, two 821 then. Okay. Yeah. This particular
1: filler, um, although it's manufactured by international, it doesn't come up in the international yacht paints and yacht products because it's uh, an industry product meant for uh, boatyards and uh uh, big ships being used in big ships sometimes to, to fix uh, bad corrosion problems in kills and stuff. So uh, it, you, w- you won't find it in a marine chandler for sure. You will have to Go to uh international distributor to get it.
0: okay, and this is a two part epoxy filler then so this is yes, this is a two part filler you mix together. It's not a filler that you put in with your epoxy then
1: no, this comes in two uh, this one comes in two buckets, each bucket with uh, two point five liters uh, and you mix it fifty fifty and uh, that's it. Uh, and it's it's already uh, a very thick product. It's very very thick.
0: And how do you apply it with a putty knife then?
1: Yes, with a putty knife. Yes, sometimes with a very, with a twenty-four uh, inch putty knife, twenty-four inch wide putty knife, and you apply it in the in the hull. Uh, and it works really, really well. I really like that that one.
0: Now, what did you use this mostly for in your boat, then?
1: Uh, well, for repairs below the waterline.
0: Uh,
1: sometimes above the waterline, every time I felt that I had an uneven an surface, uh, of more than one millimeter. Okay. Because because uh, this this one is very thick, uh, and so you when you apply it, it, it will be very difficult to apply less than one millimeter thick. Uh, so this is very good for that uh, the these kind of situations.
0: And how easy is it to sand once it's on?
1: Uh... Not very easy, but not very difficult uh not the the worst i've i've tried to sand. Okay. uh but you 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 need to make sure it's fully cured, otherwise uh it will clog your sandpaper and fully cured i mean sometimes takes more than a couple of days
0: okay, all right, so this is okay. for those big big below the water big line.
1: imperfections okay yeah and,
0: and primer. Below the waterline primarily or either above and below the par- the waterline? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So, so acceptable for below the waterline fillers then. Okay, good. All right, let's yes. move on to the next one then.
1: Okay, second filler is also made by International, and it's called Watertight. Uh, and this one is in the uh, yacht um, product range. This one is a very fine filler, comes in um, one kilogram packages, in two separate bottle uh, and two separate cans uh, and you mix it 50-50 as well. And this one has a bluish color. Uh, Actually, it's kind of cool. One of the cans is white. Uh, the component is white the other can is uh, dark blue Uh you mix the two components and you actually get to see when it is properly mixed because it turns um, light blue uh, if you see some uh, white or dark blue strikes uh, it you'll you still need to mix it more so it's it's very cool the way they they tint these uh, two components.
0: Now, what did you use this filler for?
1: Well, usually this one goes on top of the previous one we talked ah, about.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Because I, I mentioned the the, pre- the interguard is very coarse. It has very if you if you try to really uh press hard on the putty knife you can feel the um, sand particles or whatever it is in there. Uh so it it you can really feel the particles there. Uh and because of that when you sand it it will leave some uh large pores in it and sometimes well fairing is a is a process it's not something you do once, and that's it. fairing is something that you do once twice, three times, maybe four until the surface is flat because you you spread some filler with a putty knife uh, and even if you are very good at it uh, when it cures and it shrinks a little bit, the surface will not be. Absolutely flat, and even if you sand it, it will not be flat, so you need to fare it to to fill to use more filler and to fare it several times and When I see that uh I only have uh say less than a half a millimeter uh and some tiny pores to fill it uh to fill, I use this fine filler. Uh, and it's uh, because it's already pre mixed and you just have to mix the two components, uh it's very quick. And uh, this one is cures very, very hard. Uh when you previously you asked me uh is it easy is it to send? In Terregard I, I find that although it's not very easy to send, it's okay. This one, uh watertight i find that it is very difficult to sand uh because it, it cures to a very very hard um product okay okay
0: all right now these are these but are but usually to...
1: usually you apply very little of this so uh, <laughs> not so bad
0: So if so you apply thin, too a much a thin layer you will have this a hard
1: thing. yes a very thin layer of this On top of the previous ones, yes.
0: Okay. Okay, so
1: next filler I have in my boat, it's a polyester filler. It's not epoxy. And this one is um, general. uh, In the U.S., I think you call it
0: bondo. Okay, just regular bondo that you get at your... uh... Your yeah, auto I don't store. know
1: if it's exactly the same thing. The same thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, polyester filler used in the automotive industry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, very common filler. Not nothing special.
0: And it's soft uh, and easy to sand.
1: Yes, yes, and it cures in fifteen minutes or something. Right.
0: I made yes. a. Um, I made when I ma- when I did the patterns for my bronze castings on my boat. My fillets mm-hmm. I made by just taking a dowel, wrapping it in, um, uh, in in wax paper and taking some Bondo and then pushing that all into the corner to make a nice radius on my fillets. And then I would just easily sand it down. So Bondo's really, really easy to work with.
1: Yes. This one I use above the waterline for uh, small-ish imperfections, like... If I was going to use watertight uh, above the waterline, I will use this one. Um, because, uh, well, watertight is expensive. It's very expensive. It costs like $80, $80 for one kilogram.
0: Mm.
1: Yes. And uh, for for comparison, Interguard costs 100 uh, hundred and twenty something like that. Uh, for uh, five kilograms.
0: Okay, so bond. Is... <laughs> so you only, but you only use bondo on above the waterline then.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Because polyester fillers are very porous and they will absorb water, so they will uh get damaged by water very very easily if they are uh, subject to uh, and continuously subject to moisture so only above the waterline never 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 below the waterline below the waterline epoxy only okay 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 this is general repairs bondo Then I will, filler number four, filler number four is a polyester filler as well, but it's a very fine polyester filler, uh, sometimes you have tiny little holes and if you try to apply some general blondo, uh, it won't, uh, fill those pores, it will just come out and smaller scratches, Uh, this one I get from the automotive uh, shop as well. Mm-hmm. And uh it's but it's a very very fine filler. You it feels like uh, uh almost like toothpaste. Very thin very thin. Okay, and you can you can you can feel uh smaller scratches Small little holes and uh, whatnot. Uh, But like the same, like the previous one, only above the waterline.
0: Now, what's the name of this? Did you get it, or do you just look for a fine filler at a body shop? This
1: one, it's a German brand uh, of uh, automotive uh, refinishing products called. Spies Ecker. It's a S-P-I-E-S-H-E-C-K-E-R.
0: Okay. All right. Or they can just go to a body shop supply store and get a real fine yeah. body filler is what you're talking
1: about. Fine body filler. Yeah. Okay. Polyester.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: sometimes this one... Won't fill the pinholes that uh, you have in your surface. Uh, sometimes this one won't won't penetrate, uh, or you have very very little scratches, and sometimes this one won't even get in those scratches. If that happens, uh, I have filler number five, which is um, an acrylic filler, and it's a. Uh, single component uh product uh, before we talked about uh two component products uh, this one is a single component product and it's an acrylic based product uh the one i use it's made by 3m and it's uh green and I can't remember the name but if you if you if you ask the, the guy in the body shop to sell you some three uh, m uh, acrylic uh, filler uh, that's green and comes in a tube that really looks like a toothpaste uh, you will know what you are talking about okay this one is okay. so okay. fine
0: Actually, I, p- I pulled it up here I think it's called three uh, m 3M- acrylic green spot putty
1: that's it okay
0: all right there we go that's
1: it mhm that's right. that one is so so fine for example if you for example if you have a 40 grit sandpaper that's very coarse and you make some scratches uh in the surface you can get this filler Inside those scratches, sand it smooth, and you will see air lines of green on your surface. Uh, Your scratches were filled. It's unbelievable. It's so fine that it's unbelievable. It really feels like toothpaste. (laughs) Uh, This this one I use... uh, when I have a small scratch or a small pinhole in my surfaces and I really want to get rid of it. So this is my last resort filler.
0: Okay, so this is for the very super fine uh, scratches then you're getting down.
1: Yes, last resort. And sometimes you, you apply this filler between primer and finish paint.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Because sometimes the
0: tiniest, smallest
1: uh, flaws in the surface will only be visible after you apply primer. And this one usually goes between primer and finish paint. The guys in the automotive industry do that regularly, regularly.
0: So now, would, they, you, would you put this on then, and uh, you might have a little dab of it, and then you have to go over it very fine with a very fine yes. sandpaper? Then? Yes. This one sands with 320
1: sandpaper easily. Okay. Easily, yes. Uh, we are talking about that level of finishing Three, t- 320 sandpaper to sand some filler.
0: Okay. Yes. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: okay filler number five filler number five is a powder that you will mix with uh, epoxy resin i never had good results mixing it with uh, polyester resin somehow it didn't work very well Uh, so i always use epoxy resin and I use this filler, and it's made by West System, and it's the. Uh,
0: okay, which one is this one then? So this is. is the, f- you four oh seven. You add this to your epoxy resin, then. Yes, you 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 mix
1: so your two component epoxy resin like you always do, and then you have a resin that is very thin. Uh, and then you mix this uh, 407. 407 is a lightweight filler. In previous episodes, we talked about uh, fillers that you mix with your resin uh, microfibers, micro balloons, silica. Uh, I, I'm not mentioning the numbers, I'm mentioning the names because. You may get it from um, a supplier that is not West System. Uh, So you can't ask this supplier to give you 403, for example. You you need to ask him to sell you some uh, microfibers. And these microfibers, silica and uh, whatnot, are uh, high-density fillers. When you mix it with your epoxy resin, it cures... And it's like a rock. Very difficult to sand. The the lightweight fillers are easy to sand. That's the main difference. So you mix
0: it to make putty, not to make uh, bonding uh, components. All right, let me read what it says on the website I'm looking at. West 407 low-density filler is a a blended micro-balloon filler used to make fairing putties. That says are easy to sand, reasonably strong on strength to weight basis, cures to a reddish brown color. So is that the one you're yeah. thinking of? Okay.
1: Yes, that's the one I'm thinking. That's the one I have exactly. The one I have. Okay. You may, you may need to ask your supplier. Maybe you you are not in that. Maybe you live in Haiti, and uh, you go to a industrial supply store that sells epoxy resins and whatnot, they won't sell you uh, polyester resin. They won't sell you West system. They will sell you epoxy resin in a water bottle. Uh, So you need to ask them things by the names. And uh, the um, fine fillers, the lightweight fillers, are usually micro balloons, not to be confused with microfibers. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the one I have the West System one. I also have the 4, 410 or four yeah, 410. I think that's it. The 410, uh, it's similar to the 407, uh, but it's finer, even easier to send. It's very, very fine.
0: Okay. let me find it here the 410 because this one page I'll be, I'll give a link to this page it has all of these it says the West yeah. 410 micro light is an easy ideal low density filter for creating a light easily worked fairing compound not recommended under dark paint or other surfaces subject to high temperatures and it cures to a tan color yeah that's the one
1: Okay. It's very fine, and it's very easy to apply. However,
0: uh, now you are saying this is, this is one you're going to be adding to epoxy as well, then?
1: Yes, okay. yes. Yes.
0: So Never these, had
1: good results mixing it with polyester resin.
0: Okay, so these come in as, as a powder. Uh, the 407 and 410 come as powders that you mix in with your epoxy resin, then. Yes okay, and if you think
1: if you think about it, you will have to mix your epoxy resin, the two components mix it, mix it, mix it, then add power, mix it, add more power, powder, mix it, add more powder, mix it until you reach the desired thickness. okay It takes a long time. It's much easier to get two components out of two cans. And mix it uh, on a cardboard or on a piece of wood uh, or on another spatula, another putty knife. It's much easier, much faster. Uh, the only reason I have these two fillers is because I can control the density. And sometimes I really need to control the density of my filler. For example, if I want to put my filler on a syringe and I need to apply it on a a corner between two surfaces uh, and then go over with a rounded uh, spatula to make uh, a curve, this is the only reason I use these two fillers. Otherwise I will not bother mixing fillers uh to resin uh to to spread on an on the
0: horizontal or vertical surface. Okay. All right. So now we've got our fillers down, we've and we've fared it out. Let's talk about the fairing process then.
1: Yeah, the fairing process is the worst process <laughs> I know about, uh, because you need to to apply the filler, let it dry. If it's an epoxy based filler, usually it cures overnight. If it's a polyester filler, it will cure in fifteen to twenty five minutes. Ready to sand. Uh, if it if it's uh, very uh, during the winter, if it's very cool temperatures, uh, I've had situations where I had to wait 48 hours to sand uh, some uh, epoxy fillers. Uh, It was still uh, rubbery and uh, not hard enough to sand. And then you go and start sanding it. Uh, either by machine or by hand, depending on the kind of surface. Uh, And after you sand it, uh, you may realize that you still have some uh, low spots in your surface, and you will have to apply some more filler and sand it some more. Okay, let's start Uh, out. What what grit do you start out sanding with? Depends on the filler. Uh, For example, if I'm sanding... Uh, interguard I may start as low as 40 grit or 80 depending on the how wide the, the surface is uh, and uh, how much material do I need to remove because uh, sometimes uh, things don't go as perfectly and you end up with a surface that uh, has more filler than you need it so depending on how much I need to remove and uh how large is the surface, I may start with forty grit, I may start with sixty or eighty grit. Never uh more than that. Okay. But for example, interguard usually uh you apply a very fine a very thin film uh smaller surfaces. Uh so probably I would start the lowest eighty grit, uh highest uh one twenty. Uh not more than that. But for example for polyester uh bondo, general bondo, uh as low as eighty, but I may start at two twenty depending on the kind of uh, surface uh And the area that I'm working with uh the 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 acrylic filler uh you can send it the other day I was helping a friend of mine uh we were sending it with two twenty and then finishing with three twenty so it's uh very different uh depending on the kind of filler that you use
0: okay. Do you ever use and one of the common fillers that I've used to patch up uh, drill holes? Has been Marine Tex. Do you use that, or would you recommend something other than that?
1: I don't know what Marine Tex is. Okay,
0: it's an epoxy filler. It's an epoxy-based filler that's pre-mixed, and you just mix them together. And they come in. You'll see them in West Marine a lot. So it's, uh, it's probably
1: probably similar to Watertight.
0: Okay. hmm
1: Because every brand i'm I'm talking about water types because I have a good discount uh with uh, international products okay uh but uh, any brand uh, will have um fine fillers and fine epoxy fillers uh, for example ample um you name it all all marine paint and finishing brands Will have um, these products. So Marine text is probably similar to watertight.
0: Okay, okay. All right. So you've fared everything down, and uh, yes, what are you doing you there? Feel... You're making lots of noise in the background there. What's going on? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> are you making yourself a gin and tonic? Uh, no, not today, not
1: today. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to find my uh, lighter. Yeah, I found it. Okay. All right.
0: So. All right, so you've fared everything down. Let's talk about either the gel coat or the painting process that comes after that.
1: Okay. Uh, if you are going to use a gel coat, you probably, unless you have a very uh, unhaven surface that you need to use a filler, if you, if you are talking about between one and two millimeters, uh, you apply a gel coat straight to the fiberglass. Okay. and uh, You may have to apply it uh, more than once, like you would be uh, using filler, uh, but uh, you go straight to gel coat. Uh, you just use uh, several... T- fillers and several types of fillers when you are going to use paint because to use paint the surface that you are going to paint must be flawless otherwise the paint will show all the flaws if you are going to use gel coat uh, well gel coat is basically like uh, a fine filler so you can just put as much as you need Uh, to make your surface completely flat, Uh, not as much like you. You shouldn't apply, say, five millimeters of gel coat because gel coat is very brittle and it may uh, crack over the years and
0: due to the movements of the boat, the torsions and whatnot. Now, is there a, a trick to getting fiberglass to cure? Because it seems to me years ago, I, I not not fiberglass, uh, gel coat to cure. Seems to me years ago uh, when I put some gel coat on a surface and mixed the hardener with it, it would not cure. Ah. That you needed to have <laughs> some sort of a surfacing agent over the top of that to make it mm. cure.
1: Yeah, because there is. Uh, at least in Portugal, uh, when I go to buy gel coat, uh, I either ask for gel coat or top coat. Top coat, okay. Yeah. Uh, the difference between the two, I don't know if you use the same terminology. The difference between the two is that gel coat uh, is polyester resin without wax with uh, a white powder that makes it white. Uh, top coat is polyester resin with the same white powder and wax.
0: Okay, so, and, it, so it forms a surface of wax on the top of the top coat that, al- yes, that keeps when, out the when, oxygen that allows it to cure then.
1: Yes, yes. Otherwise, for example, if you are if you are doing um and if you are building a new boat and if you have a mold to build the the hull you start by spreading uh, or spraying gel coat on the mold you let it cure a little bit but it stays tacky it never really fully cures because it doesn't have wax uh, and the oxygen prevents it from fully curing. Uh, and then you apply start applying fiberglass and the uh, polyester resin and fiberglass and polyester resin on top of that gel coat. You are building it on a mold, so you are building from the outside to the inside. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so in that situation, you use gel coat uh, because when you apply the, the subsequent layers of fiberglass and polyester resin, then the gel coat get doesn't get any more oxygen, so it cures and it hardens. If you are refinishing about using gel coat instead of painting it, uh, you may apply two, three, four layers of gel coat and then one layer of top coat because you apply one layer of gel coat, it starts to harden, but it never really cures. You apply the second layer and it bonds to the first one uh, and so on. Uh, If you try to apply the same amount uh, at uh, once, it will just run and have lots of drips. So it starts to cure, but never really fully cures. That was my experience, yeah. Yeah. The last one must be top coat, or, uh, depending on the the terminology that you use, gel coat with uh, wax mixed on it. You, You may just have one bottle of gel coat and another bottle of wax. I can't remember the exact type of wax that you need to edit, uh, then, uh, maybe paraffin wax. It just mix a little bit, like 10-20%, and it uh, forms a, a layer on the surface and it cures. The other solution is to apply PVA, which is polyvinyl alcohol or something like that. You will. You can spray it on the gel coat surface, and this uh, PVA will prevent the gel coat from breathing oxygen, and it will cure as well. Okay. And then you peel off this PVA.
0: All right. Okay. So there's there's ways to make it work uh, when you need mm-hmm. it. Now let me ask you a question because um, how how do you match colors? Is there, ah. is there a trick to matching <laughs> colors? <laughs>
1: you just have to experiment. Uh. Uh, I, I never did it, uh, and I know that uh, I know about a guy that does it really, really well. He fixed uh, the boat of a friend of mine, uh, and when he it was fixed, he couldn't he couldn't find the repair, uh, and you basically. <laughs> the adolescents may not know what you are talking about you can mix uh, pigmented powders to gel coat to make it any color you want gel coat is white uh, but you can make it red, blue beige uh, green, what color any color you want you just get, need to get the the right uh, pigments uh, to it uh but and because gel coat uh with uh, UV rays and with age it uh it gets uh, it burns and it it's, it becomes oxidized. Uh, if you have a white boat uh, thirty years uh, later, your boat will not be white, it will be eggshell. Uh, so if you are going to do a, a repair on that you will need to mix some pigments to make it uh, that same color to match that color uh it's by trial and error really. yeah. <laughs> and, and some people yeah. have
0: an eye for it and some people don't and it uh, and I'm yeah. not I'm not one of those that has an eye for it so I've never really been able to match <laughs> very well when I've tried to make a well, few repairs I can tell you
1: I can tell you that uh, I've seen Boat Yard employees getting white, pure white uh, gel coat and applying it on a 10-year-old boat, on a 5-year-old boat, on a 20-year-old boat. They don't care.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So talk to me about paint and what painting process you use. And I think that's all we're going to be able to cover today because – Uh, We're going to come back and do uh, another episode on vacuum bagging then.
1: Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Paint. uh, Well, if you don't want to uh, apply gel coat, you can paint. Painting, uh, you can do it by using a brush, using a roller, using a roller and tipping it with a brush, or spraying it to tell you the truth uh i tried every way possible and only by spraying it i was able to uh have a, a surface that was absolutely flat and even then it is not it's not easy uh you need to play with the pressure in your uh, spray gun With the thinner that you put on the paint, the percentage of thinner, if it's very warm, you need to apply more thinner, sometimes as high as 35% of thinner uh, to thin the paint so that it will level and have enough time to flow and to get flat before it starts to cure and it's... uh, it's a process that's uh, not for everyone, uh, because uh, you need to 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 get a, a good hand for it. Uh, I know guys that tried to spray their boats, and they the result was worse than uh, br- uh, applying paint by brush.
0: So and by brush in this case yeah. it might be better if you're going to paint your boat is to go ahead and do all the prep yourself, but pay a professional painter to come in and do it.
1: Yes, many people do that. They do all the sanding, all the fairing, all the filling, and then they pay a professional to, to spray the paint. Uh, it's something that if you are going to do it for the first time, or the second or the third, uh, probably it's not going to work very well. Uh, for example, in the in the winter, I can paint... Uh, with fifteen percent of thinner twenty percent uh in the summer, I need to go as high as thirty five otherwise the paint won't flow uh, in time uh to to get a very smooth surface
0: all right, is there a paint that you found that is? Is more durable, more resistant to UV. What? Tell us a little bit about the paints well, and the uh, and basically. The, uh, okay, go
1: ahead. Basically, if you are talking about marine paints, and marine paints, uh, it's uh, it's also a bit controversial. Some people say that marine paints are just industrial paints with a pretty uh, can and a good price tag. Uh, some people say that marine paints have uh, more UV-resistant properties. I don't have enough experience to tell you that, Uh, but I can tell you that marine paints can last a long time and they will be very, very shiny and very durable. And they will resist to UV paints really, really well. Uh, to u v rays really really well uh, you have basically any marine uh, paint uh, manufacturer will sell you um, two types of paint uh one component and two component paints one component meaning that you get your paint from the can you mix it you mix some thinner and you apply it uh, two component paints uh you get two cans. Uh, you mix uh, the, the the paint with the hardener and uh, some thinner, and then you apply it. These two component paints are called polyurethane paints because of the chemical bonding that goes uh, between the molecules uh, in the curing process and these uh, two component paints are uh, harder because the 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 reaction uh of the catalyst uh with the with the resin in the paint uh it forms a harder surface so it it's more resistant to scratches and more resistant to uv and to salt water and uh, the marine environment so uh, i read the other day that uh, uh, one component paint this manufacturer uh, claimed that it would last as much as five years and uh, this same manufacturer for the two component paints they would uh say that it would last as much as ten years. So uh and the the two component paints are more expensive, but uh it may be worth the the, the money that you spend. Alright. If it lasts twice as long.
0: Now these are yeah. paints that are made for uh for glass reinforced boats or is it the same paint for that you would use on aluminum or on wood are they are they specifically for um, it's, fiberglass it's boats? The, it's the same
1: paint. Uh, the difference is in the primer. You have primers that are specifically formulated for aluminum boats. Uh, they bond better to aluminum. Uh, some primers are better for steel boats because they have anti corrosion properties and uh, some primers are um uh, are um, used for uh fiberglass boats okay right. okay they are basically the same uh they just have slightly different properties that make it more adequate for a different uh, substrates.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Lewis- so, and then the paint—the paint is the same. Okay. All right. So it's the primer that determines whether it's wood, aluminum, fiberglass. Yes. Fiber, if you
1: if you if you look in the international product range, international paints, they will have primers that are specific for GRP boats primers that are specific for aluminum and steel uh boats and uh, also wood, wooden boats some primers are f- are okay for wooden boats as well and then the top coat uh the finish paint is always the same either one component or two components the only specific paint that they have is the is the one that has uh sand particles mixed for the non-skid areas of your deck. Okay,
0: Uh, you know, that's something we'll talk about. Remind me to ask you about this next time because my non-skid on my boat is just not very non-skid. In fact, my decks are pretty slippery and I want to talk about uh, fixing that. So we'll talk about that the next time. Yeah, ask me about QE grip. Okay, (laughs) I'll I'll try to remember that, okay, QE grip. All right. Thank you, yeah. Louis. It's great to have you all yeah, again. Welcome. Th- and we'll get you back hopefully next week for uh, another, another episode on <laughs> refinishing boats, okay? Okay. Okay. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. If you have thoughts, comments, suggestions, please write me franz1 at medsailor.com or go to the contact form at the website www.medsailor.com, M E D S A I L O R.com. I'm always looking for suggestions for new topics to cover, so please write me if you have some thoughts or ideas. Also consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash medsailor. Get out there and go sailing.
1: Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f- What the f... gives you freedom... Freedom brings opportunity,
0: opportunity makes your future.